The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey folks, quick programming note here before we get, begin the Pride of Detroit POD cast for this week. We happen to record this one late in the show. The news about the Lions signing Mike Hughes to a one-year contract broke. That happened in segment three. However, we did not, we were not on the air when linebacker Chris Board signed. So some of our linebacker talk might be outdated. We were kind of going over the roster here after one week of free agency. I apologize for that, but you know, for, for old listeners, you understand we used to have a curse that news would break all the time, like minutes after we'd finish recording a podcast. So this is just return to form for us. Here it is. Enjoy POD cast. Hello and welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Download the POD cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. They say iTunes. I might have said iTunes. iHeartRadio as well. Um, this is going to be a really weird show. This is going to be a really weird show. If you're watching us live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where every Monday, at least in the off season, every Monday, most Mondays, we try to uh, do, do it live. We, along with the later Scraps podcast, which is made from some of our in-between segments. I know I'm breaking a rule by mentioning it. But the reason I bring that up is right now, if you're watching us live on Twitch, uh, you can tell that this is going to be one of those shows. Because on my stream, someone threw in the channel points to throw in on a luchador mask during our pre-show stream. Jeremy is now paying off his Movember. Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader, Detroit Online. Let me do that right is paying off his Movember, the, do, the Movember donation drive by putting on a Ted Lasso cosplay right now. Hello, Coach Lasso. Hey, Chris, I, I'm more excited than a, than a possum eating a corn dog. Thanks for having me. So you're doing that. You did that a lot better than your uh, than than the Simpsons one. I forget the name of the character already. Ned Flanders? Ned Flanders, With The mustache, yeah. the funny mustache? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know yeah you're, you're doing this better already. I like it. Although someone did say that the aviators do make you look more like a Mike Ditka than than Oh, you want me to say, I don't want to look like Mike Ditka. You want me to take them off? Well, apparently you can't see S with those things on either. It's true. That's it's uh, like Ray Charles in here. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> you did it. All not right. me. Not me. <laughs> Okay, let's bring in the third man, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. 
at Ryan underscore POD. So we've got a Lucha mask for me. We've got a Ted Lasso cosplay for Jeremy. Ryan um, is paying off a bet. Ryan, and this is probably where we start because there's been some weird stuff around the NFL. Ryan way back swore that Deshaun Watson would not be traded to the, to the Cleveland Browns and would do anything if he was. And so here we are, Ryan, um, explain to the people what you are doing today. Um, well, I found on an Instagram reel because I'm not on TikTok, uh, somebody eating a pickle uh, with a, with a, was it a, I can't remember what the original video was. It was a Snickers bar. Yeah, it was a Snickers bar. And, uh, you know, I knew, I, I knew that Jeremy's favorite candy bar was a Snickers bar. So I sent him the link to the video and he said, I would not do that even for a Movember campaign uh, charity mark. Uh, and I said, I will eat a Butterfingers inside a pickle uh, if the Cleveland Browns acquire Deshaun Watson. Well, the Cleveland Browns have acquired Deshaun Watson. So we have, what is it, a garlic kosher dill pickle? Yeah, yeah. With a uh, Butterfinger, as as you and your chat apparently came up with, uh, the Butterfinger is going to act as a as a hot dog. And I'm going to uh, top it with ketchup and mustard. And Yeah, the dill pickle's the bun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is... Awesome. <laughs> are we going to do this right now? Or are we going to do no, it? No, 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 okay. no. We're, we're recording. We're recording. The People want to hear the Lions and NFL talk, but keep li- look out for the Scraps podcast coming this later this week. If you are listening on the podcast, if you're watching live on Twitch, it will happen today, though, in between segments. Uh, real quick, before we get into it, this is, uh, we, I, I didn't want to like go fully down the Lions roster. I kind of want to come up with superlatives, but a, not too much has changed with the roster, and there's still some questions I feel, feel like we need to get to at every position. And B, I also want to start with some news that's been going around the NFL because we're sitting here on a Monday after Matt Ryan gets traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, not for the Colts' first third rounder at, in the 70s, but for their like second third rounder in like the low, in like the early 80s. So the quarterback market's kind of gone nuts. I think it's, it brings up fascinating questions about what the Lions will do if they want to stay their hand at quarterback until next year. But I don't know if you guys had any other takes that came out of NFL free agency. Ryan's got his hand up. Yes, Ryan. Is this about the pickle? No. uh, Well, the Atlanta Falcons are in quite the pickle, but um, Ah. I want to segue this to the Detroit Lions because the Lions aren't the worst franchise in the NFL. (laughs) <laughs> like and, and I'm, not, I'm I, well I'm not, I'm not talking about just from like a talent or a roster or a personnel standpoint I'm talking about how they made the trade with Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams and did everything the exact right way the Atlanta Falcons over the past mm, give or take 72 hours have been an absolute disgrace they have they have so much egg on their face and for once, I don't feel like the Detroit Lions are a bottom feeder organization in terms of player relations because they took care of Matthew Stafford in a way that the Atlanta Falcons absolutely did not. Like that, that guy has played for that franchise for 15 seasons, including an MVP season and a Super Bowl trip. 
he deferred a roster bonus that was supposed to uh, that was supposed to incur earlier so that they could potentially facilitate a trade for him um, because they were involved in the Deshaun Watson saga and they weren't willing to pony up the kind of guaranteed money that the Cleveland Browns were. So they fell out of that race and basically Matt Ryan was like, okay, guys, like you, you've done like just about every awful thing you could to me. And I was even the nice guy and helped you out in terms of your finances, what are you going to do now? And they got a third round pick for arguably the best player in their franchise's history. The guy totally responsible for stabilizing that franchise. And they couldn't have done him any worse because when you're in a place for 15 years, it's kind of like Matthew Stafford in Detroit, right? Jeremy, like Matthew Stafford was here long enough that like him and Kelly have both been on the record as saying like Detroit is their home. Like they feel like this is home to them. Atlanta had to feel like home to Matt Ryan. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Matt Ryan's not going to do a boost mobile commercial next year and say nice things about the Falcons. <laughs> a boost mobile commercial. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's targeted and mean. He almost, you almost did that in a bit of Ted Lasso there too. You're, you're, I think it was intentional. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I got, I, he's still here. He's keeping it. He's keeping it around the whole time. Huh? <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's 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 kind of fascinating. It's the the Falcons have definitely been like, look, I, I think I've said this on a scraps a while back. Like the Falcons are a different kind of curse. Usually their curse has come, though, in 28 to three or in, you know, the Bart Star man of the year getting popped for a prostitution charge the night before uh, trying to solicit prostitution the night before a Super Bowl or Michael Vick. You know, all the resources going to Michael Vick and then he goes to prison. And then, you know, Bobby Petrino skips town with some note in locker rooms. Like it's usually it's it's like they have misfortune where you feel bad for them. This though, I agree. They kind of did them dirty. Self-inflicted. It, this is very self-inflicted. And yeah, the Lions, and this maybe dovetails into what DJ Shark was talking about. The big free probably the only big free agency acquisition the Lions have made so far. DJ Shark, formerly of Jackson, the Jacksonville Jaguars, came out. In his, in his introduction and, and early press conferences and talked about what drew him to Detroit was a lot about the culture. And like, he liked the culture in Detroit. I know there, there's some questions about that. Oh, bollocks, the culture. It only won two games last year. Bollocks, the culture that it, it only, it's, it's only attracted like a couple of uh, three, three wins. Excuse me, Ryan. Um, but three and a half, three oh, and a half. God. Oh, God. Here we go again. Can I please get through this? But but my point being, my point being though, a lot of people are poo-pooing on the culture because it only brought DJ Shark and not a lot of other people. But then you speaking of other teams who have been dumpster fires, the other news came out this week. The Athletic did an in-depth dive into Urban Meyer's time in Jacksonville. And I think I understand where Shark's coming from, Jeremy, when he talks about culture, when Urban Meyer is running around on a scoot NFL scooter. We've seen that before, haven't we? Coach riding around on a motorized vehicle during <laughs> practice and then asking, hey, who's number 99 for the Rams? Is he good? <laughs> yeah, no, that was that's that was Tico an Tuesdays absolute mess too. that absolutely everyone saw coming. And it I, I think it, honestly, the thing that I that shocked me the most from that is like I don't understand how he even saw success at Ohio State and at Florida. I know you can get away with some of that stuff. With, with younger kids, with 17, 18-year-old, 19-year-old. But, like, I don't think you could now. Like, I don't – I think I think culture's changed enough where 
this whole like asshole attitude where you're just like, you're right. Everyone's wrong. And if, you know, you're, you're, if someone does it wrong, they're a bad person. They're stupid. They don't know what they're talking about. Like that doesn't fly anymore. I I'm, I'm surprised it ever flew. And uh, because it, it's, it's not like urban Meyer cranked it up to 11. That's just urban Meyer. It's always been urban Meyer. Anyone who's ever met urban Meyer or crossed paths with urban Myers knows that that's exactly who he was, which is telling with, you know, Jacksonville, apparently not figuring that out or see it very well. He hit it very well going into Jacksonville because, like, you, he was probably an a hole to a lot of people at Ohio State, but his public face was never the a hole, which is funny because the people who have the public face of a hole, like Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, aren't really a holes at the end of the day. Like, they, they have some a hole to them, but they're not like Nick Saban, as much as he yells at like the probably some kids and probably yells at like the, the, the press, like, everything I've heard from his players is like, they're fine with him. So Urban Meyer seems like the real deal on that front, though. And yeah, it definitely doesn't fly in the NFL. No. Well, well I, I saw you mention this too, Jeremy, but wasn't one of the most interesting th- or interesting parts of the article is that DJ Shark was the only player to go on record yeah. in the entire thing. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm yeah. not saying that's that's no condemnation on him. Like, in fact, I, I find it a little bit brave to like put your name to a quote of yours. I don't particularly like the unnamed sources in general, because I don't know how much I can trust them if I don't know who it is. Um, but yeah. It, but negativity it, always gets policed out of the NFL. We saw this in Philadelphia sure. too, where like nobody wanted to go on record about Carson Wentz being an a-hole and those people off the record were right. right. But it sure. would be career ending for them to be, because in our, in our culture across the board, we police negativity. Yeah. You can't be negative. You can't say bad things. And it's especially true in the NFL. Well, I'm all, you know me, I'm all about positivity. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Man. Either way, though, I think, yeah, you mentioned Shark, but again, goes back to Shark puts his name on the record. That's how much he wanted a culture change and how much he likes the idea of playing for someone like Dan Campbell and a whole coaching staff of former players. True. Yep. Do you want All to right. take this off? Are we, are we, yeah. are we diving into the I Lions gave myself now? a few minutes just to make sure the rest of the free agency world didn't blow up again. But now I feel like we can dive in. So we're going to go through this time. Four more quarterbacks are going to be traded by the time we post this online. (laughs) And somehow Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be one of them. (laughs) All right. Well, let's uh, let's run down. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's look at the quarterback room to kick things off. Goff, Boyle, Blau. We're running it back with all that. Um, Are you bothered at all by that? I'm not. Is here, here's the thing. I'm not as bothered by the Boyle re-signing as almost everyone seems to be. Um, yeah, we know you're reasons. not. You're not. You're. You don't care about backup quarterbacks. That's part of it. Um, I don't, especially with where the lines are at right now. Um, I don't think they're at a point where they need to be spending a lot of money on the backup quarterback position. I don't think they're at a point where they need a guy that can step in and do exactly what what you know their, their starter can do, whether it's a rookie or, or they, they stick with golf for another year, whatever it is. I just don't think that's that important, but also like, I feel like we need to cut Tim Boyle at least a little bit of a, a break for, for his performance last year, because he was essentially a rookie. I know he's been in the league since 2018, but um, that was his first start last year and it didn't look particularly well, but we, we know this Lions coaching staff is capable of coaching up some of their players and they seem to think they can coach up Tim Boyle. And I'd like to kind of see that out if, and if it only costs me, you know, a one year, $2 million deal, 170, 1.75 million guaranteed. Like that's an okay trial run for me for one more year to see if they can pull something out of this guy. 
I don't care. Like, that's fine with me. To be fair, too, he was pretty much, Jeremy, like if he doesn't throw an errant pass late in that game, regardless of the rest of his performance, he was on the doorstep of getting a win, regardless of how he played in that game. And that would have silenced a lot of people. He just happened to throw the the bonehead pass where he threw the bonehead pass. But like he was keeping the Lions in that game one way or another. Yeah, he was. I, the only thing I have to add about Tim Boyle is the the idea of him potentially being a third string quarterback, right? Like if the Lions go out because nothing that the Lions have done so far in free agent or in free agency has changed their approach to the draft. So like when it comes to Tim Boyle, like even even at the price that that Jeremy mentioned, like it's totally fine with him being a third string quarterback if that ends up being the case. So you think the Lions are still in the running? I know you're, you're you, this is your stalking horse, but we're not taking quarterback off the table at all for the draft is what you're saying. Uh, I know Jeremy agrees with me. I do. Am, am I, am I paused? <laughs> am I coming through? No. Okay. No, you're okay. coming through fine. You're all right. But fine. I'm, I'm sorry. I have computer problems on my problem. Uh, yeah. I don't care if Tim Boyle is a backup quarterback. The, the David Blau signing is a, is a little bit different. And I, I'm going to have to channel my inner Ted Lasso again for this one. Um, because I mean, no one wants to see T- Dave Blau starting, right? Starting Dave Blau quarterback is like Nick Williams being the head of the CDC. No one wants to see that. <laughs> but but, oh, no. but, it, but David Blau's value comes from being a teacher, being running scout teams, being a, a smart person in the uh, in, in the quarterback room and, and, and being an extra set of eyes. And the that's a clipboard holder, another yeah, another he, coach, pretty much. Yeah. Essentially. And and I know people are like, well, you got Mark Brunel. He's a former player. He's well, no, you need a guy who could be there on the field with him at all times and, and just kind of like also provide a little bit of camaraderie there. So, like, again, a, a very cheap resigning. I think he was one point three five million. So not not a big deal. Um, and so, like, listen, like the line spent three point two five million to to bring back a little bit of continuity at, a, at the backup quarterback position and, and see if they can improve in the second year under a new system under a new head coach. Who cares? Let's fine. I'm cool with it. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, I mean, it's not ideal for the quarterbacks, but like, again, you, you look at what's going around in the league right now. Like I don't think there's an upgrade coming anywhere for anything. And there's not a court, there's not a backup quarterback out there. I'd really want that would, again, it's the price point asking to, it's just like all this stuff. It's just like, I'm fine. We all know what's going to be running back golf anyway. And maybe you get more of second half of the season golf and maybe that's an improvement, but I, I don't know. Like we're talking about teams trying to figure out if they, if they want to like cut Baker Mayfield or whatever, like lions feel at least in, in a, in a working position with what they have. It's not great. It's not terrible. 3.7 Rockins. Is, is anyone. So the, the other thing, and, and this has come back in years past is like, okay, the lines have their starter. They have a backup. They have a, a, a third string. This means they, they're, they're not drafting a quarterback. They've told the rest of the league. They're not, they haven't, they're not going to draft a quarterback. Can, can one of you, or maybe both of you just tell people why that's stupid. And not because true? you can, because you can always cut one of them and, a few million dollars is nothing. It's not your money to begin with. Like, why do you care? Like th- this idea that somehow it's like, oh, well, you've promised this guy 1.2 million or you promised this guy 2 million. How the it's set in stone now. It's like, no, this is all in pencil, man. Um, also, because your starting quarterback isn't enough to put in pen at number one. Like if, if yeah. they could find, if, if the Lions could find a viable way to improve 
their quarterback position in any way, they would do it. Yep. Even though they Thank say you. like, I, I, and I know the front office says they like golf a lot, but I believe in, they should say that they should say that, but here's the thing. And, and this is why I also don't put a lot of stock in a lot of people being bothered about Brad Holmes, not making a ton of moves. I put stock in deeds, not words. You can say whatever you want. I'm going to judge you by what you're actually doing. And I don't know. Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, before we go to break, let's get one more position in then. Can we do running back in like five minutes? I can do it in one. You can do it in one? I was going to say, say, we could either do running backs or we could do offensive line. We might be able to do both. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to save something for the next segment. Running back. um, You know what? Since those are small, let's just do both on the other side, along with uh, the rest of the offense, shall we? We'll be right back on the show. Go for it. We're doing, we're doing review here from free agency with a week down in free agency. Uh, We've done too many podcasts. Check both those out where you can. We talked about the re-signing of Khalif Raymond. We talked about shark. We talked about uh, Charles Harris. We talked about quite a bit in free agency. So please check those out as well, but we will be right back on the pride of Detroit POD cast. And I see Ryan is getting the pickle and butterfinger hot dog ready. So uh, enjoy that very soon. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast here on um, Weirdo Night as we have Jeremy in his cosplay, Ryan with his pickle. That's not a euphemism. He has an actual pickle. Um, let's talk. We, we, st- we left off with quarterback as we started to dive into the state of the roster a week after the beginning, the quote unquote beginning of free agency. Technically began middle of the week, but who cares? We, we, know, we know how this works. In the NFL, we're wise to you. Uh, let's move on to running back. Is there anything to report, Jeremy? Is there anything to even t- talk about? Not, nothing new. Uh, Lions haven't added or uh, or released anybody. Uh, just running it back How with Swift, Jamal Williams, Craig Reynolds, Jamar Jefferson, Godwin Iguibuke, which is totally fine with me. Um, you know, it, it was a good enough crew last year to, to do pretty well and healthy uh, at, at times. Um, you know, Swift is, is, I guess, his health is something to be – Curious about long-term, but um, I don't know. I, I guess the question here to me is like, I don't think they're going to do anything in free agency. Running five deep is pretty good, but I, I wouldn't completely rule out running back in the draft as much as everyone you knows my it. pain of, of mm-hmm. drafting a running back because one Swift's health to Jamal Williams is on the final year of his two-year deal. So there, there are questions about the, the long-term kind of run of this, this position group, but in terms of 2022, I think they're fine. Like you wouldn't want to draft Brees Hall at 34? No. You wouldn't want to take him at the top of the second round? So I don't want to take anyone in the second round. It seems like particularly cursed in the second round. Other rounds, maybe. Yeah. That's I, my take. Jeremy's, Jeremy's anti-draft day three. running back. Day I'm, three. Day three. That's, that's when you start having that discussion. I just don't want second round. It seems to not work out for the Lions in second round. That's all. Yeah. I, I was just alluding to a really um, interesting mock draft that was posted by Pro Football Focus. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, here's an interesting thing about the running back position. And I guess you can say this for virtually every every team is that it could change like within a season. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that the Lions going into next offseason – 
running back could be a top need. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think it's really worth it to address it with any significant draft capital in, in this draft. All right. Moving on to wide receivers, obviously the big addition DJ shark, who is, is I, I think we can say that's wide receiver one right now. Now, obviously we got to talk about the draft at some point, but shark is probably number one. And you're going to have, you know, Reynolds is Reynolds has got a new deal. Khalif Raymond's got a new, new deal. St. Brown's going to factor in. Um, then we get to the, to the bottom of that order where Quintez Cephas is still there. He missed most of last year. Trinity Benson is still there. Tom Kennedy is still there. McKinley is still there. Uh, Jeremy, how do we suss out this room right now? Cause I don't see all these guys. These, not all these guys are surviving obviously right. to the start of the 2022 53 man roster. And if you add someone from the draft, that's just going to complicate matters a lot more, but I feel like at least, those first four I named Reynolds shark, St. Brown, Raymond, that's already stuffed. So, I mean, how many guys are the lions really going to, I know it's too early to ask how many they're going to carry, but of those other four, I mentioned Cephas Benson, Kennedy McKinley, how many of those guys do you think, uh, you know, stay with the squad? Probably one. One? Um, And and my money's, my money's on Cephas right now. Um, But yeah, it might be zero. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the wide receiver room is kind of interesting right now because I've, I've seen a lot of people compare it to last year. Um, and, and I kind, I kind of get it because in a way it's like Tyrell Williams, it's kind of like DJ Chark. It's a one-year deal. There's been, they're coming off an injury riddled season. It's there's, there's a minor risk there. And if that doesn't work out, suddenly the rest of your wide receiver room doesn't look very good. You know, I, I would even say like, <clears throat> excuse me for a second. Uh, wide receiver rooms kind of like bring back Futurama. Like it could be really good, but it also could be like, why, why are you doing this again? <laughs> I, that was I, really I, good. That no, was, was really, really good. good. I, I get, I get that point, but at the same time, I just don't know where those answers are really going to come in free agency. Like I think shark was a fine pickup, like, especially for the deal that they did. Yeah. I don't think that, I mean, obviously the lions were not going to get Devonte Adams. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. And I think you expect some growth out of Amon Ra St. Brown. I'm not saying it's great right now, but at the same time, I think it'll be you, you at least want to make some moderate improvements and then we'll see what happens. I think the Lions are in line for the second order of receivers in this draft, not the first order. You're probably not going to get your pick of London, uh, Burks, Wilson, or Olave, but you probably get Watson from North Dakota State, probably there around 32, 34, if you really like him. So, yeah, I, I I don't know about Cephas either because I see him playing that same role that um, Amon Ra St. Brown has kind of very quickly picked up. And Amon Ra, if he keeps improving to year two, then not a lot of room for Cephas. You know, I, I want to just touch on what Jeremy mentioned uh, in regards to people talking about the receiver room seeming similar to last season. There's one big difference, though, and the floor is Amon Ra St. Brown. Yeah. The floor last season, when when you cut out Brashad Perryman and you cut out Tyro Williams, it was Khalif Raymond as your starting wide receiver number one. And sure. that was a scary world to live in. And and I think that's where people are kind of stuck with Khalif Raymond on. And I'm glad that Chris mentioned the top four wide receivers are Shark, Amon Ra, Josh Reynolds, and Khalif Raymond, because while we have no idea if he actually signed a contract, we think he did. Uh, we have no <laughs> idea the terms of the contract, but – 
I think Khalif Raymond brings an element that none of those other guys do. And that's why I kind of view Quintus Cephas on the outside looking in, like he has to prove himself to be a, a very versatile receiver who can play both the outside and play the big slot because yeah. that's what DJ shark can do. And that's what have, Amon Ra can do too. And yeah, like you said, Chris, Amon Ra like lives in the slot. So what does Quintus Cephas do that the rest of the room doesn't do or can't be, can't be put at. And, you know, the wide receiver room can be upgraded though. Like that's something that I still definitely see him play at 32 or 34 for Detroit. And, and the other thing, you know, that that's different from last year, at least entering last year's is Josh Reynolds, right? Like, I don't think we should sleep on the Josh Reynolds sign. Like even right. if the lions end up drafting a guy in the first round, Josh Reynolds is going to play a role, maybe not as big of a role yeah. as, as we expect right now, but they got him at a, at a really good deal, two years, six million. And, and the guy's capable. Like the guy was a number one receiver for the final half of the season. And he was fine. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, top half of the, 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 the league number one receiver, but he's capable. And you're looking for on the other side as the number two, like that's, that's a good number two, not, not looking, a great, but not yeah. a good. You're looking for guys who are going to be comfortable with Jared Goff. Because ultimately, sure. at the end of the day, it's got to run through Goff and it's got to be guys. And we see with Jared Goff, he's a very it's it's a very temperamental situation. He's got to be comfortable with the guy he's throwing to when he didn't have Reynolds, when he didn't when he was still learning who St. Brown was. He wasn't really in tune with them. Second half of the season, it was Reynolds and it was St. Brown. And he looked better like that's. Yeah. And so now I, I think they're in a position where like, I, I know we're really eager to all slot them a wide receiver at 32 or 34, or maybe they trade back from two and get one at, at seven or 10 or however far, far they drop back. But now I don't think it's necessary. Like I think they can go into this draft and not come out with a wide receiver and be okay. Because one, I think they're four or five deep right now at, and it is at an acceptable level Two, if they can also be like, let's see how DJ Chark works out for us this year. And if he's really, really good, well, guess what? The dude's what, 26? Let's extend him. And suddenly we got our number one. We got a pretty good number two in Josh Reynolds. We'll see how he plays out. And we got Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, that's not bad going into the future. Um, so I, I, I'm not saying they won't draft a wide receiver. It's still very much on the board, and, and I'd be behind a pick like that. But I think they're in a position, like we said, that you try to be after free agency where you don't have to force it if it's not there. So yeah. if there is this run on, on wide receivers, if Green Bay with both their second round picks pick a wide receiver finally and, and the Lions find themselves a third two and it's like, ah, we don't like any of these guys, well, then don't take one. Yeah. The, 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 so that's the one last thing I want to say, and it goes to the rest of the roster construction too. But I, I think what some of the re-signings that the Lions have done is that it's um, it, it, it's made their approach to the draft much more best player available yeah. than than it was um, at the start of free agency. And I know that it's bringing some of that talent back, but I, I think that like, especially to, to your, to, to what you said, Jeremy, like the wide receiver room now it's in a place where, Hey, is at 32 or 34, the best player on our board, a wide receiver. Cool. We can take him. If not cool, we can take somebody else. And there is no huge need there. Moving on to tight ends, and I see Jeremy's thrown in the fullback Jason Kabinda in here, although he's he's labeled them as fullback, and you should just – you have FB next to his name. You should probably put SB next to his name. True. Super, Super Bowl. Back. Super back. 
Uh, Hawkins, but like, wow, I'm just looking at how many tight ends we've got to sift through here. <laughs> there's a lot in there. What, what happened? Also not a lot <laughs> there. There's a lot in here, but also there's a lot of bodies that just, it's all sound and fury signifying nothing. Jeremy, uh, TJ Hawkinson, Jason Cabinda, super back Brock, Wright, Garrett Griffin, Hunter Bryant, Shane Zilstra, Jared Pinkney, uh, Pinkney, excuse me, Matt Sokol and Jordan Thomas. Um, Garrett Griffin was the other addition that the lions made. And I saw some people again, losing their mind. The lions was not really spending too much. Cause Garrett Griffin probably had like all of like what five career catches. Yeah. Not, not much, but that's not his game, right? He no, comes, it's not. He comes from air force. He's a, he's a blocking tight end and, you know, comes from new Orleans. So we all know who vouched for him and, and brought him in. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think it's any secret that this is a, a through and through Dan Campbell hire. And, um, you know, it's not a surprise. Like it, it's his kind of guy. It's a, it's a big kind of tough guy who, who gets, you know, in, in the middle of things and, and is a blocking tight end. The interesting thing about him though, is that really his big, the, the big moment that he had to like actually be in the lineup was last year when he wasn't under Dan Campbell. And I, I it wasn't a great performance. Like I haven't gone back and look at tape, but like it was, it, it didn't look like by PFF grade by some of the other stats that I looked at, didn't look like he was particularly great at what he did. So I'm not penciling him in as, as tight end two, but I think he's certainly in the mix. And I think Dan Campbell will certainly know how to use him and, and know how to, how to motivate him. So there, there's upside there, but it's not exciting. I'm ready to be like diamond in the rough. We got him. Well, I think it's just, Next, it's more pointing to, I was going to say just pointing to a lot of names here that are just, I don't know what the Lions are really doing past Hawkinson, really. And I don't think the Lions really know either. They just have to have the names around and kind of sift through what they have. And this is just seems like it's going to be a decision that comes in August on which one of these is is the one to keep. I think Garrett Griffin is an upgrade over Brock Wright. I don't think it's a significant upgrade over Brock Wright, but I, I think that Griffin is a player who comes in and he's on the roster. Like, I think he's going to be on the roster, um, which is more than what Josh Hill could say after a few weeks being in Detroit. So, but tight, tight end remains like a need, a, a need, um, maybe not as significant of a need. And I, I think we would all not be very surprised to see them go tight end sometime on day two, maybe even day three. Yeah. Yeah. Easily day three for sure. But I, I think you can make an argument that a tight end should be a pick with one of those picks in the third round at 66 or 97. Would you want to go more for a blocking tight end at that point? Or are you, you kind of expecting someone who can either fill both roles or at least lean catch heavy? I don't think it matters. I think that they could go either way. I think that they could go with a guy who's more in line tight and is more so known as a blocker, but I think that they could also go for a guy that, that can catch the ball. Like I, I don't think it really makes a difference because Hawkinson's supposed to be that guy, right? Like the lions drafted him at eight. He's supposed what, to be. what happens if he goes down is the question. Like, I guess the, the only guy that, it, that would even come look at all capable of, of replacing him is probably Hunter Bryant on the roster right now. And he's still kind of very much an enigma. He had a really good training camp a couple of years ago, but he's been injured since. So I don't know, like, I guess it depends on how much you believe in the lines ability to do what they say they do, which is build an offense around the talent that you have. So if TG Hawkinson goes down, they don't say, Hey, Hunter Bryant, suddenly you have to be the center of this offense. They can be like, 
okay, I guess maybe we'll we'll run more one tight end sets instead of two tight end sets, and you know, more, throw more to the slot and everything. Throw, yeah, th- throw throw another wide receiver out there instead. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm kind of with Ryan. Like they could really use one at, at each, so I don't mind drafting either kind. <laughs> Moving on to the offensive line, nothing really here to report, Jeremy. I mean, we've got Decker Sewell, Nelson Skipper for the tackles, Ragnow, Jackson, Vitae, Brown, Kramer, Stenberg, McCollum, interior offensive line. Uh, I know we ran out in our mini podcast, the Evan Brown re-signing uh, equals elite move was one of the notes written down. I know that's something we, well, we have to explain that because that's something we mentioned in the mini podcast, just in case no one listened to it. But Evan Brown's just a really good depth signing i i was it, it honestly if you if you factor in contract terms this might be my favorite signing they've made so far because i thought for sure if the lions wanted to keep evan brown they'd have to throw a restricted free agent tag on him worth about 2.4 million otherwise someone was going to swoop in and get him and the lions didn't even let him at free agency i, I think they wrapped it, i think they signed him before the tampering period opened up and they only signed him to a one year 2.1 million or something dollar deal so they were able to convince a guy who played so well last year that he probably had a chance somewhere to make it or at least compete in camp for a starting job they convinced that guy to stay where he is not going to play behind frank ragnow at all this year, unless Frank Ragnow gets injured and I'm knocking on wood here. Um, maybe, maybe he brings a little versatility as a guard. Maybe they try him out there, but that to me is a very hard sell to a player who just had a fantastic year in a contract year to get him to stay here for 2 million. That's, I mean, if, if you DJ Chark was the one talking about culture and, and how important that was to me, uh, to him, I have to imagine that had a big part in swaying Evan Brown back because if, if you know, if money was his, goal in free agency he he had his options and he he chose to stay yep evan brown a good signing great yeah, sign I, I know jeremy's all gung-ho about it but i'm like it's it's a backup so i'm just it's cool but I, but, but I guess the cool thing about the detroit lions offensive line as a whole is like this is all solid yeah back. like i mean they have they have depth I, they can improve on the depth for sure like you know they they can they can go out and draft a guard or they can draft i was gonna say do you guys see maybe like a tackle in day three how, how about a deck tackle at two ryan you want to talk about that no i do <laughs> can we stop doing the decker thing please can we stop doing the de- trade decker thing are we good or, or preparing for Decker's demise and getting getting kicked out of town. Like, I don't think it's happening anytime. What did Decker do to piss contract. off so many fans? All, he, got, he got injured. He got once. injured, and then it caused Sewell to, like, bounce back and forth, and all of a sudden, like, Decker was to blame for it because he got injured. But here's the thing. What happened when Decker came back? The team got better on offense. <laughs> Much better. A lot, significantly. A lot better. And I know that coincided with like three other things that happened at that time. But I talked to some people inside the organization and they said like Taylor Decker low key was one of the major reasons why everything got turned around. And, and, he, and they're right. Like it improved two positions, right? Because I don't know if people remember Matt Nelson, but Matt Nelson as a sixth offensive lineman. Great. Matt Nelson as a starting right tackle. Not great. And so Listen, I I think I understand the drafting an offensive tackle thing a little bit more, and I'm a little bit more accepting of it than more people. But at the same time, I do think people continue to way underrate how good of a left tackle Taylor Decker is. 
It's just, it's just funny, man. It's just, I mean, and speaking about coinciding, I think maybe it also coincided with a lot of people trying to jump off from Jeff Okuda after he got hurt too. So it just, it's something in the water in Detroit right now where people is like, Oh, you're hurt. Well, we need to move on next, next, next guy. We need to get another, another young guy. Quick, 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 quick. quick. No, no. We, we've got the clock ticking. It's like, we really don't, you don't have your quarterback yet. And it's also at a position that I think a lot of people are always like, yeah, build the trenches. It's not build a bad the trenches, thing. but also blow up the trenches and get another tackle. It's, it's not a bad thing to take a, take a tackle and play him at guard for two seasons at number two overall that that is to me that's the weird thing like playing a guy who's never played at guard at guard and then suddenly being like oh yeah well he's still an upgrade over vitai i'm like you sure about that you sure about the rookie playing a position that let's let's go ask we'll ask someone who's actually played like guard or tackle and ask them how easy it is to transition just go hit up jeff hit up jeff schwartz sometime and find out like his answer to that the answer might surprise you what about the people who want to bring in one of those top tackles, play them at guard and play them over Jonah Jackson? Because those people exist too. Those are lizard people. Those people are real. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad Jeremy finally agrees with me that lizard people are real. Uh, it's like Queen of England contract. Mm. You know what? You know what? I'm, I'm being, I'm being unfair. It, we, we should be, be curious, not judgmental. I am curious about lizard people, Jeremy. <laughs> Let's take a break. Uh, we're going to hit the defense on the other side of the break here. Uh, Ryan still has his pickle. He's been teasing it. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude. Doing this all unprompted. We'll be right back with the Pride of Detroit POD cast. All right, segment three here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast as we go dangerously off the rails in between segments. Uh, once again, look for, I will acknowledge my bastard child that is the scraps on this podcast just because we haven't had it in a couple of weeks, but it's coming back this week. And it's, it's, it's a very fun thing. And especially since Ryan is about to do what I did with the drink from November, he's got a pickle. Um, but I'm not going to say one as well. What? I, I, and I'm in one as well. You're in the pickle. Yeah. Let's talk about the defense. I feel oh, like we're speaking we're, of pickles. Yeah. Speaking of in what context would you use the pickle here, Ryan? You, you want me to use it in the form of a sentence? Is this a spelling bee? Uh, the Detroit Lions defense is in quite the pickle. Okay. Why don't you elucidate upon that? Oh, all right. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's start. Let's start right at the top, right at the front line. The interior defensive line. I think that there was a there, there's some things that haven't happened, and there's some things that have happened. Like uh, Trey Flowers, you know, we're not we're not quite getting to 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 that point. But like Nick Williams, I mean, what's what's going on with Nick Williams? Is that going to be somebody that the Lions bring back? I know there's a lot of talk about Michael Brockers being a cap casualty. I don't know what do what do we look at as like the future of the interior defensive line because. Again, this feels like a position that definitely can be addressed in the draft, even after the Lions went back-to-back interior defensive linemen in last year's draft. Yeah, I feel like they could go back there on, especially as we look to day two, day three for depth pieces. But 
Um, I, I, I there, there's, there's two points. One is the Nick Williams thing is going to make it really interesting too. Michael Brockers is a cap casualty would really kind of make me a little sad just because he was, you brought him in as such a leader of the team kind of deal and locker room presence and everything. I don't know. I, I know that doesn't usually last more than a year or so, but I think the big news, Jeremy was lions are hosting uh, Arden key for a free agent visit and Arden. Like I, I, this is going to sound bad of me. I had to remember who he was for a second, a young, younger guy and didn't kind of bounced around a little bit, but I mean, impressive, like first year on the map, I would say last year with San Francisco, uh, six and a half sacks, jumps out immediately in 17 games. But uh, I don't know. I don't see Arden. If the lions did side Arden key, like that would not be a um, he's more so of an edge, but he can also help out inside. But that would, I I think that would be that that's not like taking them out of the draft position for either edge or defensive line. Okay. (laughs) I need, I need to rewind. Let's rewind. First, I know I hit about eight different things there. I'm sorry. First of all, Brockers isn't going anywhere. Like no, he's, I, he's no, I'm saying that. Team. Right, I'm I'm saying at the beginning of the off season, leading into it, there were people who were talking about maybe him being a cap casualty. But the, even then, like you, you you get one million, like that's mm-hmm. you, you get nothing unless you unless you do the post student stuff and then you open a bunch now and then you throw seven million down the road. Like never made sense. He was going to stay for a long time, not a long time. He could be gone after next year, but. They need him there still because everyone else is very young. Everyone else is very unproven. Levi is a guy who I think they, they plan on playing a lot next year and they, they plan on, you know, leaning on a bunch and he didn't play particularly well in his first year. And that doesn't mean he's a bust. That doesn't mean he can't be a good guy, but I think they expected more out of him. And so um, I think that, I think he's kind of the centerpiece to this group is how much do they believe in Levi? How much do help do they think he needs um, and, and how much leadership does he need? Because Nick Williams, like you said, hasn't been re-signed yet. Doesn't mean he's not going to re-sign, but at this point I would say it looks like he's probably not coming back, but he was a big leader in that group. And so it, it'll be interesting to see who steps up. If anybody steps up, if, if they're going to just rely on Brockers, if, you know, and, and, and they're the nose tackles of the group too, like Lee McNeil, John Penasini, what's their role, especially with, with them, you know, switching to more four down looks, that you, you don't typically necessarily need a nose on a four down look. You, you kind of have some in certain formations and they'll have some three down looks that, that they'll have those guys in. So it's kind of a position in flux. And it, to me, it's almost like the, the corner pack position that we'll get to where there's a lot of youth. There's a lot of unknowns. And part of me thinks that the lines are going to go into the season saying, we need to find answers about these young guys before we start filling the roster spot. So before they go and spe- spend, a first round pick on a defensive tackle or a third round pick on a defense tackle. They need to know who they got. They need to know who can be their future. And I don't think they know that yet about Levi or even Aleem. You know, he had a good season, but I'm not sure they know anything about those guys. As for Arden key, like he's predominantly going to play edge, but the, the one thing that's very interesting about him is that when he plays that three tech, when he plays the interior, that's when he made the most damage over in San Francisco. And so you're, but the, the the problem is you're only going to get him in those situations on obvious passing downs, right? On third downs, they called it the NASCAR um, package when, when Matt Patricia was here. I don't know if they're going to have a similar name with the four down looks now. Um, but that's that's when Arden Key is going to make his difference on the inside. And the Lions haven't had that in so long. I saw some people on Twitter saying it like, when's the last time they had a, a consistent pass rush from the middle? Arden Key would provide that. 2014. Dominican Sue, I was going to say. Probably the answer. <laughs> And so uh, 
he would provide that um, at, at a rotational level, though. So you're not spending a ton of money on someone like that. Um, I'm not sure how much he'll give you on the edge. We do have to remember this is a guy who did not produce much of anything with the Raiders in, in three years. Then suddenly last year with the 49ers, they got the most out of him. You like to hope that the that the Lions can pull the most out of him too, but like like they, like they did with Charles Harris. But you never know when you're changing de- defenses, when you're changing coaches. You never know. And so there, there's an inherent risk if that's their guy, but he also provides upside that the Lions might not like. He provides what the Lions want Levi to provide, especially on third downs, passing downs. Um, you just don't know if he can do it consistently yet. All right, moving on to the edge then. Um, like, I, I don't know what else to say. I think we covered all the ground on defensive tackle, I guess, since we we're talking a guy who can do both. You know, you mentioned uh, Ryan cutting Trey Flowers. Uh, resigning Charles Harris was the big move they really made from last week as well. So um, combined with the interest with key, like I, I guess we were already kind of leaning this way. I don't think their interest in Thibodeau Walker is diminished, but kind of going with what we've known about what, you know, what we said about wide receiver, they at least can go a different way if they don't want to go edge at number two. Yeah, no, I think this opens up, the, the potential for the Lions to go best player available at number two, um, whether or not that's an edge player, uh, whether or not that's a quarterback, whether or not it's, um, you know, even Kyle if they want to go safety, Kyle yeah. Hamilton, if you're, if you're ignoring the idea of the, you know, positional value or things like that, I, you know, this at least opens up the idea. I, I don't agree with it necessarily, but I, I think it puts more options on the table for the lions, especially now, because I think that, you know, we have to take into consideration that it seems like Jacksonville, it, it's an overwhelming favorite that they take Hutchinson at number one. It seems like it's really trending in that direction, but you know, I, I think, I think in an, another interesting part of this discussion, right. Is what is Romeo Aquara's health? If Romeo Aquara is somebody who, you know, they mentioned that they, they like the the progress that they see from both him and Okuda in terms of their recovery from the Achilles injuries that they both suffered last season. If they think Romeo Aquara is somebody that they can, that they can really lean on Brad Holmes paid him like a top guy. And Romeo Aquara is, is that guy. And when, when you consider what they got out of Charles Harris last season, like he performed like a top 25 edge player. And I think that that would surprise a lot of people. But if you look at the numbers, if you look at the way that he played in terms of both as a pass rusher and as somebody who played tough against the run, Charles Harris was pretty darn good. Like that, that was the right signing to bring him back. Um, And and I think Brad Holmes, I think a lot of the re-signings are getting, are getting the, all their players from a three and 13 team. For the most part, he's signing a lot of the positive parts of the three and thirteen team. For the most part, we'll we'll get we'll get to that a little later. Yeah, right. Yes. I, I don't want to get into it before we got too far ahead of ourselves. But yeah, I, I do. Like you know, I, I certainly live by the you can never have enough pass rushers, and so if the Lions do end up bringing in Arden Key and and Kayvon Thibodeau sitting there too after Hutchinson goes like. Totally fine with adding both those guys. Arden Key is probably not going to be a long-term signing. Um, could be a long-term help, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and then Charles Harris is only here for two years. You don't know. I mean, even, even a guy like Romeo Quara, only two years left on his deal at this point. So the, the future of, of Edge is still very much in flux with or without Arden Key. So so adding him, adding a, an Edge at the top of the stress makes a lot of sense if, if they're your guy. 
Well, one position I would like to maybe see Lions consider drafting a little bit more now as we move on is uh, looking at the linebackers um, help, maybe? Question mark. Alex Anzalone, Derek Barnes, Josh Wood, Sean Dion Hamilton, Anthony Pittman, Curtis Bolton, Tavante Beckett. Um, hmm. We need remains... to talk about the linebackers. We need we, to talk we... about the linebackers the same way that we talk about the edge position. We do. I... And it's been a problem for, we mentioned 2014 earlier. That's about the last time the Lions had good linebackers. Like the last time the Lions had dependable linebackers were Stephen Tulloch and DeAndre Levy. Like since then, it has been a position in flux because they haven't been able to get anything right. Like I'm not over-exaggerating, but one of the top linebackers that sticks out in my memory from the past like seven years is Josh Bynes. (laughs) Like I'm, but that that's heartfelt. Like, yeah, that's honest. And that's not great. Like, yeah, you know, great. I mean, you, I you, didn't... Think, you think about how bad the, the edge position has been. And Chris, both you and I, for so many drafts, have been pounding the table for an edge position. The Lions also just have not been able to get the linebacker position no, right, they... no matter how they do it. They take Jared Davis in the draft in 2017. That doesn't work out. They spend a bunch of money on Jamie Collins. That doesn't work out. It's just been very bad for the for, for what I can remember. I I didn't think Jalen Reeves Maven leaving for the Texans would hurt as much as it did. And then I saw what's left here and I'm like, oh, oh no, here we go. Yeah. I mean, so there, there are some names amongst this group that are probably being underrated by Lions fans, not to the point where they should be starters, but like a guy like Josh Woods is a guy who was added midway through last season and basically became the guy who Jalen Reeves Maven was the year before, which is a really good special teamer who can probably fill in in a pinch on defense. I think he sticks around. I think he has value. Sean Dion Hamilton's also kind of an interesting guy who was looking actually pretty good during training camp, had an injury, missed the entire season. So there's promise there as, as a capable backup. I don't think his ceiling is starter and it shouldn't be. The problem is everywhere else. Like the problem is like, Again, like I feel like with a lot of these positions, lines have good depth, not good starters. And Alex Anzalone and and Derek Barnes aren't the guys you want to be starting. Like maybe Derek Barnes in the future. The the hope is that he he gets a lot better. But the fact of the matter is he wasn't very good his rookie season. It's a tough position to play your rookie year. He could get better. He he's got a good enough coaching staff, but they also they fired their their inside linebackers coach. Like the they, they clearly didn't get enough out of him as they wanted. And maybe that's a sign that they expect more out of him, that they, they, they fired Mark DeLeon, but, um, and then Alex Anzalone, like, I don't know. It, it, his contract isn't big enough where I can really get too upset about it, but at the same time, they need to upgrade from him. He needs to be coming off the bench. He should not be a starter for this team this year or any, any time in the future. He just shouldn't. Um, unfortunately, I think the Lions have too many holes to fill. So I don't think we can, necessarily count it out but linebackers a big need right now and maybe they go into 2022 with with Anzalone and Barnes as their starters um that's not going to install a lot of confidence confidence in people but uh they need they really need to start addressing that for the future and, and I'd like it to be a, ASAP yeah I, this is probably the biggest day to I I I think if you were asking me to put money on a specific position to be drafted like this feels like a day two pick, like probably early, maybe 34. 
Sure. Oh, yeah. It's for in play sure. 32 for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, moving on to cornerback. Uh, again, another position where there's some, there's some interesting pieces, but it's going to be dependent uh, Ryan on the health of Jeff Okuda returning and how well he's going to re- be returning after a brutal injury. Um, Amani Orwarie is in the group. If Fatu Melifonwu, AJ Parker, Jerry Jacobs, Mark Gilbert, Bobby Price, Parnell Motley, save on, how do I say this, Jeremy? Savion, Savion Smith. Uh, nothing new. Um, some pieces that I thought wildly overperformed last year that I don't know if you really want to put your chips in that they'll continue an upward trajectory, but you have those chips and you have to kind of reward them with, with you know, more opportunities as well. But this is a very young uh cornerback group and well uh, this is incredible timing uh oh no something break while we were doing this uh, the lions have signed mike hughes uh a cornerback so uh literally the the topic we're talking about uh wow the actual the actual breaking as we are actually doing something properly uh yeah mike hughes former first round pick uh of the of the vikings uh signing to a one-year 3.5 million dollar deal according to doug kyad uh, only 26, 25 years old. So, uh, another kind of young piece that, that Aubrey Pleasant and, uh, Aaron Glenn can get their hands on, on another hopefully. one year kind of prove a deal too. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I was, it was interesting cause I thought they might go the veteran route and add, you know, maybe a little bit of a proven piece, just kind of as a, a depth piece there, uh, a potential leader in the group, like they tried with Quentin Dunbar last year, but instead they go with another young piece. And, you know, I, I can't say I'm that familiar with how Mike Hughes has, has played in his first four years, but obviously as a first round pick, considering he's been on the Vikings and the chiefs, he's probably not quite lived up to his draft billing, but uh, he's had three interceptions in about four years. And, he, gave up, uh, he gave up eight touchdowns last year. I don't think that's very good. That doesn't seem great. No, not great. Not, not ideal, mm-hmm. but um, I think this kind of answers the question that you had, Jeremy, written here in the notes about are the Lions going to sign a veteran player kind of like Quentin Dunbar to to rally around this room? Uh, I, no. I, think, I think they did. <laughs> well, a 25-year-old, I don't know if this is a veteran that they were seeking, but... Hey, would you look around the sense. rest of the room, though? Like, Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, we... <laughs> I mean, I, that's the other... I mean, this is the most, like... If you want to talk about a position that's just, like, totally up in the air. How many of these guys suffered significant injuries last season? Okuda, Melifanu, Parker missed time, Jerry Jacobs with the ACL. I mean, so many players that you're counting on coming back from injury. I think that that leaves cornerback at like a legitimate need. Like they they can take a guy at 32 at at cornerback and yeah, makes sense. I think the the right guys there. The theme being that this draft is wide open right now and there's still a lot of needs and lions should not be trying to create more needs than they need for themselves which is also why like you need to see what jeff okuda has like you can't you can't be in a rush as lions fans have been the past calendar year to try to run okuda out the door one one sorry one quick note on mike hughes like yes he pff did credit him with eight touchdowns but he also finished with a 72.9 pff grade a 72.2 in coverage which touchdowns he, he gave up eight touchdowns. Oh, gave up eight touchdowns. Yes. Excuse me. Um, but that's, that's his best year by far. So trending upwards and, and I don't know, I guess, I guess overall kind of a good year, although obviously eight touchdowns doesn't sound good and eight touchdowns to six pass breakups is not 
the kind of ratio you want, but I guess <laughs> overall PFF like liked his overall play last year. And so hopefully the lines can, can, I guess, improve some of those ball skills because that that's what that points to, right? Like good coverage, bad ball skills, eight touchdowns, and, six pass yeah. breakups. And he's an out, and he's an outside guy. Like right. he plays outside corner. Right. Yeah, so I mean, it'll just help answer. The Lions just have a lot of questions at the position, whether it's Jerry Jacobs, whether it's, it's Jeff Okuda. Even I, I think I think there's plenty of questions about Amani Oruare. Is he part of this team's long term plan? This is his final year. Um, played probably his best football last year. Will that continue, or will the Lions say let's ride out this one year and maybe Fatu Melifanu? Another big question mark. So like a lot of questions at this position, and I think this is why I don't think they're they're going to be going corner in the draft is they have a bunch of young talent here. They got to figure out who they have, who's going to be a part of this thing and use 2022 as that kind of, because they wanted to do it last year, right? They wanted to see what they had in Jeff Okuda. They wanted to see what they had in a Fatu Melifano and injuries kind of derailed both of those things. So I think they have to, you know, kind of a take two on, on seeing what they got there. And, and if they don't, then you know how they feel about them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Last position to talk about. Um, I'm going to skip special teams just to keep Jeremy happy. Uh, Tracy Walker, Will Harris, CJ Moore, Jalen Elliott, Brady Breeze, Juju Hughes, the other Juju, not Juju Smith-Schuster, Juju Hughes, who was, I did, I missed him even being on the roster. I think he was picked up like, uh, off waivers. Yeah. In January like, after January. technically after the, after the Lions season, but the Rams are still playing. The Rams are still playing. So that's your safety room right now. Walker is resigned a lot of guaranteed money for Tracy Walker. Um, Obviously, a big need, and I know we can keep talking about positional value, but I'm just saying Kyle Hamilton's right there in the draft, and there's some other very interesting safety pieces in the draft. But I think that uh, seeing what they've done so far with the roster, Jeremy, I think this this gets – I don't know. Do you see this keyed in for, for something you really pick up in the draft? Yeah. I do. I just I, – I feel like this is something like – all right, there wasn't much out there to begin with with free agents when it came to safeties. You took care of Tracy Walker. You still need like one or two others who that you can really like lean on to start because like I really don't want to see Will Harris start that much. Yeah, I'd like to not see him start at all, to be to be quite honest. <laughs> and I don't know, but like we were we were in this exact same point last year where we we're just like, this isn't enough. They needed mm-hmm. to go out and do something. They needed to add someone and then they didn't. Um, you know, they, they, they tried in free agency, but they really didn't in, in the draft. And so I, I can't guarantee that they're going to do something there. There is something about Will, uh, Will Harris that, that he has, he has something that, that coaches really like, and we don't see it on Sundays, but must be there between Mondays and Saturdays because, uh, it, it seems like they like him a lot. They, they certainly continue to speak highly of him. And so there's a chance they don't do anything, but I think we can all agree. Like, even even if Will Harris is your dude, he's only under contract for a year or two more, and they they need to start thinking about the future there. And I'd like for them to start think about the present because they they don't have they don't I don't even think they have someone that can really step in and and I can feel okay about as as a reserve. So if they can kind of push Will Harris down the depth chart there, I'd feel okay about Will Harris coming off the bench. It you know adding a guy not only helps the starter but helps. Uh, the depth there. So I don't know. I, I think it needs to be a high priority. Just, I think linebacker and safety are just two of the highest priorities of the team right now. And whether it's, you know, getting someone like PJ Williams and in, in free agency or, 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 you know, addressing it on day one or day two of the draft, they need to do it and quickly. 
Yeah, safety is a huge need. I mean, I think it's only rivaled by linebacker. I think those two positions right now are at the top of the line's needs. And, you know, it just so happens that there's there, there are a lot of options when it comes to safety. There's Jaquan Brisker, Penn State, Michigan, Daxon Hill, um, you know, Lewis Seen from Georgia. There, there's a lot of guys that seem to be in the mix there at 32 and 34. So I could see, even see the Lions doing like they did with defensive tackles and double dipping at this position. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I not out of the realm of possibility, but it certainly makes the Kyle Hamilton discussion that much more interesting because you weigh the difference between positional value and outright team need. And you know, it's hard it's it's hard to come up with an argument the Lions need a player. The only uh, argument you seem to get is that position. Yeah, the only argument you see to get is like you just don't draft a safety at number two. That seems to be the only argument is the conventionalism you don't draft. It's the draft is what value you're getting out of your draft pick. And it's like, oh, safety, you don't take that number two. Yeah. Jeremy, I can tell, is really engaged here. <laughs> I think you, we you sure you sure you don't want to talk about special teams? Oh, but we're at like we're over an hour. So okay. what 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 happened? What well, that's good happen special teams? No, I was just gonna say I, I I like my special teams like I like my Jack bathing Pop- suits. The less covers the better. Oh God! I was just saying, I I almost talked over you there. Say, so well, I wanted you to repeat it, but now after hearing what you said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, I think we're done. We've Ryan has pickle to eat. That is getting quite the look from Ryan. So, uh, for myself, for Jeremy, for Ryan, we've got plenty to talk about next week as we go a little more in depth kind of move away from just running down this and, and find some and turn our eyes towards the draft. But until then we will see you star side. Oh.